Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Another day, another tragic mass shooting in the United States. The lead starts right now. At least eight people killed at a California rail yard as police try to piece together what happened. They learn a bizarre twist, a fire at the shooter's house. We're live on the ground with the latest. Plus, a lab or a market? The nation's top public health experts weigh in on where COVID may have come from originally, and it's not what they were saying before. And get the bleep button ready. A new book laying out President Obama's F-bomb-laden comments about his successor, Donald Trump. The author joins me live. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we start with tragic and common breaking news in our national lead. Right now, there are multiple active scenes after a mass shooting in San Jose, California. We expect to get an update from police and local leaders in just minutes. Here is what we know so far. The sheriff's department there says that eight people were killed and several others injured at the VTA, or the Valley Transportation Authority, light rail yard. That's a hub that stores trains and is also used for maintenance of those trains. Sources have identified the shooter as Sam Cassidy. Sam Cassidy was a VTA employee. Deputies say he's dead, but they're not sure if he took his own life or if he was killed by law enforcement. The bomb squad is on scene right now and searching the VTA facility after police received reports that explosive devices may have been or may be located inside. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo confirms that there was also a fire at the shooter's home this morning. Fortunately, no one was found inside. Mayor Licardo will join us live in the next hour to tell us the latest. Let's start, however, with CNN's Dan Simon, who is on the scene in San Jose. And Dan, Dan, you're also speaking to family members. This is the saddest part about all these shootings who are now looking for their loved ones to see if they're okay. Well, Jake, first of all, I want to tell you that we are expecting a news conference in the next hour uh, that will include California Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, This press conference will take place in front of the Family Reunification Center uh, that was set up uh, in the hours after the shooting. We saw dozens of employees uh, come into this center. They were reunited uh, with family members. I spoke to to one gentleman who said he got a frantic call uh, from his wife. Uh, She said that she was okay. Nonetheless, uh, he was really anxious, of course, uh, to meet up with her. I I spoke to uh, an employee of the site who said he was just so nervous uh, about his coworkers, uh, the shooter apparently known to the people he shot. We do have multiple victims and we have multiple casualties at this point. Another mass shooting. We formed multiple tactical teams that came into the building to extricate victims out. Multiple agencies came in and initiated what we call a rescue task force. That is part of our active shooter protocol. This time at a light rail maintenance yard in San Jose, California, where trains are stored and dispatched for the Valley Transportation Authority. As of now, investigators say at least eight people were killed. 
The shooter also dead. I will confirm you that it is a VTA employee. Details in the investigation still very fluid. We received information that there are explosive devices that are located inside the building. That being said, we activated our bomb squad, which is currently out on scene. VTA's board chairman, Glenn Hendricks. VTA is a family. People in the organization know everyone. This is a terrible tragedy, and we will do everything we can to help people get through this. Family members showing up to find their loved ones. I'm just going to get to my wife. The mayor of the city of San Jose. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardi joining law enforcement this afternoon to express his sympathies. This is a horrific day for our city, and it's a tragic day for the VTA family. And our heart pains for the families and the co-workers. Multiple agencies, including the FBI, assisting in the ongoing investigation. The FBI's role in this investigation is to provide assistance to the Santa Clara Sheriff's Office, to provide evidence response resources. It is a fairly sizable crime scene and is going to take a while to process. Right, we're talking about multiple places, multiple scenes that will ultimately be part of this investigation, including the shooter's own home, which was set on fire this morning. Of course, Jake, that raises more additional questions. Uh, this is a shooter who was intent on inflicting a lot of carnage in addition uh, to the firearm or firearms uh, that he had in his possession, also explosives found at the scene. Jake. All right, Dan Simon, uh, San Jose. Thank you so much. Let's bring in Anthony Barksdale. He served as acting police commissioner in Baltimore. And we, let's also bring in Dimitri Roberts, who served as a Chicago police officer. Um, commissioner, let me start with you. We know eight people were killed. The suspect is also dead. A at this point, what information would you be looking for if you were leading this investigation? Oh, well, first, I would want to know more about the suspect. I want to know, was he supposed to have a weapon? Um, how, how did he obtain a weapon, legally or illegally? And motive, 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 motive. What made him want to walk in there and do this? Um, but it sounds like he just, he was intent on taking lives. And uh, it's, just, it's just a tragedy all the way around, Jake. Dimitri, we still don't know how many were injured. We know eight innocent people were killed, but we, injuries we don't know. Is that unusual at this point for that number to, to not be reported? Well, it is unusual, Jake, but nothing about this situation is usual. Not only the fact that we have a what sounds like an upstanding employee going and causing this tragedy, but also the subsequent things that we see playing out. Bombs on the scene, his life being taken, we don't really know why at this point, but then also this mysterious fire at his house. There's a lot of complexities here, Jake, but the number of people that are being reported injured is definitely something that's a ray red, raise red flags for all of us because we usually kind of know that information firsthand, but obviously the uh, folks on the ground are doing a great job investigating this and my hat's off to those uh, law enforcement officers, but more so to the families that are dealing with this tragedy on this unfortunate day. Commissioner, we learned that the suspect uh, was a man by the name of Sam Cassidy. He was an employee of the Valley Transportation Authority. What would you be looking for when trying to determine his motive? I'm looking for any statements, any uh, conflicts within, uh, within the workplace. It sounds like, um, based on what I'm hearing, that he 
went after specific people. Um, I, I would want to know what contact was he recently disciplined? Was there a, a fight on the job? What kicked this off? Um, and that's what I would really want to know. I would want to look at the victimology of of the. I would want to look at the victimology and just try to sort it out because now we can't we can't interrogate him. He's gone. Um, so we need to know as much as we can from the workplace. We need to know what witnesses say, people who knew him. Did he say anything that sounded off or strange? We need all of that, and it's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of work to source this out. And Dimitri, as you noted, the San Jose mayor uh, reported that there was a fire uh, at the suspect's home. Let me. I'm just looking at uh, the latest information on this. The San Jose Fire Department. Um, responded to a fire at the home at 6.36 a.m. local time. And the first 911 calls about the shooting at the VTA facility about eight miles away began right around that time uh, as well, 6.34 a.m. Pacific time. Um, Obviously, we don't know what the story is, but as an investigator, what would you be looking for? Well, we want to ensure, Jake, especially in a fluid situation like this, that there are no other threats, that there aren't potential copycats, or that this was a lone wolf. So to add to the commissioner's point, there are a lot of complexities here, but the main thing we're looking for is to continue to ensure that broad-based um, uh, support to the communities uh, in that uh, from, from where this has taken place, but also to ensure that there aren't any ongoing threats to other facilities or other employees especially when we're looking at something that obviously was targeted. Former Commissioner Anthony Barksdale, Dimitri Roberts, thanks to both of you. Really appreciate it. From both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue, there's a new push to find out if COVID started in a lab in China. But did the Biden administration already shut down a similar investigation that had been started under President Trump? And speaking of Trump, a look at what kind of charges the former president might be facing, as the Washington Post says, a grand jury has been convened. Stay with us. We're back with the health lead. And today, President Biden is ordering U.S. intelligence agencies to intensify their investigations of the origins of COVID-19. This is questions grow about the theory that the virus began in the lab in Wuhan, China. You'll recall former President Trump pushed this theory for months. So did others in his administration. I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory. Have you seen anything that gives you high confidence that it originated in that Wuhan lab? Martha, there's enormous evidence that that's where this began. Sources now tell CNN that the Biden administration shut down an investigation that had been launched by allies of then-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo at the State Department in the final months of the Trump administration into whether COVID-19 started in that Wuhan lab. The fear, we're told by the Biden team, is that that investigation had been politically motivated. Just two months ago, top medical experts were leaning towards a more natural source of the virus that initially spread. Today, even Dr. Anthony Fauci, who investigates infectious diseases for a living, says no one knows 100% where it came from. Let's bring in CNN's Nick Watt. And Nick, President Biden is giving the intelligence community a deadline to come back with its own analysis. 
That's right, Jake. President Biden apparently has some specific questions for the Chinese, and he wants the intel folks to double down, and he wants them to report back in 90 days, hopefully with an answer on the origins of this virus. Did it come from an animal and then spread through that Wuhan wet market, or did it leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology? It is certainly possible that other options might have occurred, including a possible lab leak. We just don't have evidence to be able to say what that likelihood is. So all seven leaders of the National Institutes of Health today told the Senate we need a deeper investigation. At what point in time would it become more likely it came from the lab if we don't find an intermediate animal host? How much longer? I don't think we can give a time element on that, Senator. Worldwide, nearly three and a half million are dead. Why? We need a completely transparent process from China. We need the WHO to assist in that matter. We don't feel like we have that now. Half of American adults are now fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Now for the trickier second half. Tonight in Ohio, we'll see the first $1 million winner of a lottery just for those who got a shot. What's basically bribery is working. After we announced it, those numbers have gone up. Uh, 45% increase in the number of people getting vaccinated. Fewer than 23,000 new cases yesterday across the country, lowest total in about 11 months. If you are vaccinated, you are protected and you can enjoy your Memorial Day. If you are not vaccinated, our guidance has not changed for you. You remain at risk of infection. Two months until the Tokyo Olympics and Japan is in a fourth wave. Experts say urgent action required. For many of the participants, the vaccines are not available. And there's virtually been no planning for how are we going to move people in buses or putting three people to a hotel room. The approach they're taking right now uh, is virtually a dangerous one. Now, why is it so important that we get this question answered? How did this virus originate? Well, because it will help us fight the next pandemic, perhaps even prevent the next pandemic. And the next pandemic, that's not a question of if, Jake, it's a question of when. Jake. All right, Nick, thanks so much. Let's bring in Republican Senator Todd Young of Indiana. Senator, thanks for joining us. So you've been talking about this for the better part of a year. You've been among those demanding a deeper investigation into whether COVID-19 came from, originally came from that Wuhan lab and and leaked. Um, So I guess the question is, what made you, I mean, you were you were right. And now more people, now more experts are, are taking it seriously that this should be investigated. What made you wonder about that? Was it just the fact that the virus originated in Wuhan and that's where this lab was as well? No, frankly, from open source materials, I had a very strong suspicion uh, that uh, there was a high probability uh, that there uh, was a leak out of, out of the Wuhan uh, virology lab. Uh, as a former Marine Corps intelligence officer, one looks at uh, direct evidence, but also circumstantial evidence. And here you happen to have a virology lab 
that works on the very variant of, of COVID, we believe, uh, that has uh, uh, decimated the economy of the world and killed millions of people. So it stands to reason that there should have been full access to the data analyzing this strain of COVID virus, that there should have been full access to the workers within the lab, and that the, all of that should have been provided in an expeditious manner. None of that happened. The Chinese Communist Party instead was incredibly uh, destructive and negligent in, in terms of being forthcoming. And so what we need to do is we need to address this as the Biden administration is now doing, uh, uh, ordering that 90-day investigation uh, for, so that the in intelligence department can give us more clarity about the origins of the virus. But we also need to prepare for the future. And, and among the things we need to do, we're considering on the floor of the United States Senate right now, like the Endless Frontier Act, which is my legislation working with Republicans and Democrats alike to invest in the technologies of the future that will allow the United States to outgrow, out-innovate, and out-compete the Chinese mm -hmm. Communist Party. Let me ask you, uh, the Biden administration is leaning on the World Health Organization to investigate the Wuhan lab theory. Um, Obviously, that's, they're more likely, we're more likely to get some answers from WHO, which China is party to, than you know, they're not going to let the CIA come in and, and give it a look. Sure. Um, but do you think any, any findings from, from the World Health Organization will be credible at this point? Well, look, uh, they're certainly in need of great reform, uh, perhaps replacement as an entity. Uh, in fact, I, I led a hearing on this before uh, the virus ever impacted uh, the world uh, about reforming the World Health Organization uh, and uh, perhaps coming up with a better model. But uh, with that said, uh, I think uh, its credibility will only be undermined further if they, don't, uh, uh, if they aren't able to persuade the Chinese Communist Party to come up with the data uh, pertaining to this virus and uh, provide access to some of the Chinese nationals who were working on, on this virus. I don't see any other way for the World Health Organization to restore its credibility in, in the eyes of Americans and many across the world who've seen them, frankly, um, more, place more trust in the Chinese Communist Party leadership and more deference to them than they have to the Western world. Yeah. In the final months of the Trump administration, the State Department was trying to investigate in some way the Wuhan lab theory. But sources tell CNN that the Biden administration, when they came in, they shut that down. And today, your Republican colleague, John Kennedy from Louisiana, he pressed Dr. Fauci and others at the NIH about the guidance and whether they'd offered any guidance to the Biden administration on shutting that down. Take a listen. We have no influence. The State Department spiked the, the, the prior administration's right. uh, study. But that has nothing to do with the National Institutes of so Health. So they didn't consult with y'all? They did not. Did they consult with you, Dr. Collins? I read about it in the press this morning. Doc? No. They just spiked it without talking to their experts? You don't want to answer that one, do you? <laughs> I just read about it. Thank you, Madam Chair. I mean, I think he made his point. What would you make of that? The Biden administration, Secretary of State Blinken, the president himself, needs to explain why they, they spiked this uh, legitimate and very important investigation uh, that was going on, seemingly interrupted uh, for either ideological purposes uh, or political purposes, uh, as opposed to uh, any other legitimate reason. In the absence of explanation, and we weren't able to get it from the chief health policy advisors of the Biden administration, 
then uh, one can only assume uh, these, these other uh, motives. And uh, that's unfortunate when you're talking about uh, the health of the American people here and now, but also thinking about how we might prepare for another pandemic, which is uh, almost a certitude, uh, the way the Chinese Communist Party uh, carries on their activities with wet markets, seemingly with uh, poorly attended labs mm-hmm. and uh, other uh, uh, other problems, including not reporting the outbreak of a pandemic to the broader world, thus violating international law uh, over a year ago. I mean, the Biden team made a big a big show out of the importance of listening to health experts, but apparently they didn't when it came to spiking this investigation at the State Department. Well, you, you, met- can't, you, you can't listen to the science and, and emphasize the importance of, of following science selectively. Uh, otherwise, your credibility becomes uh, undermined. And that applies to Republicans and Democrats alike. But it's really been the Democrats who've been placing great emphasis on this. So once again, President Biden, Secretary of State Blinken, they need to come up with answers. Yeah, no, I agree. Senator uh, Young, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, We really appreciate it. Always good to see you. Donald Trump reportedly the focus of a new grand jury investigation. What prosecutors are telling at least one witness in the case. Stay with us. In our politics lead today, a stunning report involving the former president of the United States. The Washington Post says that a grand jury has been convened in New York, and jurors there are considering whether to indict the Trump organization, executives at the Trump organization, or even Mr. Trump, Donald Trump himself. And as CNN's Paula Reid reports for us now, it's a sign of an advanced investigation into the former president and the looming charges he could possibly be facing. Today, the Manhattan District Attorney has reportedly convened a special grand jury to help decide whether it can bring an indictment in its two-year investigation into the Trump Organization and the former president's financial dealings, according to the Washington Post. The grand jury will be made up of as many as 23 randomly selected citizens. Their work will be done in secret, and reportedly they will be meeting three times a week for at least the next six months. Prosecutors have already used a grand jury to issue subpoenas for documents and will be able to present charges which would only require a majority of jurors to deliver an indictment. The wide-ranging investigation includes whether the Trump organization improperly valued assets in financial filings, something former Trump attorney Michael Cohen testified to. It was my experience that Mr. Trump inflated his total assets when it served his purposes, such as trying to be listed amongst the wealthiest people in Forbes and deflated his assets to reduce his real estate taxes. Cohen has met with investigators several times, but legal analysts say fraud requires specific evidence. What you're going to need is a witness who discussed the fraudulent scheme with Donald Trump and can say, I committed fraud and I did it at the direction of my boss, Donald Trump. And if you don't have that witness in this case, I think it's very difficult to charge Donald Trump. 
That witness could be the Trump Organization's longtime CFO. Placing George this week is my chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg. He handled the Trump Organization's finances for 40 years and was even left in charge of the company when Trump became president. Weisselberg is under investigation himself for his own taxes, a pressure that could lead him to agreeing to cooperate and help investigators understand the inner workings of Trump's company. His former daughter-in-law has provided documents to investigators, and she thinks Weisselberg will cooperate. Will Alan Weisselberg flip on Trump? Yes. Former President Trump has previously denied any wrongdoing. This is just a continuation of the witch hunt. Saying in a statement Tuesday, it began the day I came down the escalator in Trump Tower, and it's never stopped. CNN has learned that investigators have told at least one witness to prepare for grand jury testimony. Now, even with a grand jury, there is no guarantee that the former president or anyone will be charged, though a former prosecutor tells CNN that it would be very rare to convene a special grand jury in Manhattan that does not at least consider charges. Jake. All right. Paula Reed, thank you so much. Let's talk about this with CNN legal analyst and former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers. I mean, Jennifer, this sounds kind of crazy. We've never had something like this, a a former president potentially potentially being indicted. I mean, what do you make of a witness being told to prepare for testimony? What does that tell you about what prosecutors might have? And I really want to emphasize might this. We don't know what's going to happen. That's right. Well, it means that they're moving forward. And we already knew, given the news that the DA and the AG had joined forces, that this was moving forward in a meaningful way. I don't think the Manhattan DA would have invited the AG to join his case unless they had meaningful evidence that suggests there's criminal activity here. And then to hear that they've impaneled this special grand jury, and then the latest news that they're actually telling presumably fact witnesses that they need to be ready to go, that just suggests they're moving very quickly. Of course, we don't know what they're doing. They could be trying to lay charges, for example, against Alan Weisselberg first to use that as leverage against him to cooperate, or they could just be trying to put on the evidence as efficiently as they can. But it means they're moving and they're moving in one direction, which is towards charges against somebody. You worked in the Southern District of New York for years. You know how these types of investigations, although not involving a former president, but these types of investigations work. Theoretically, what could Trump be facing as a legal matter? Well, it really depends on what evidence they have. I mean, if they manage to get evidence that Donald Trump knew of and approved of this scheme to inflate and deflate the assets, depending on what they were doing, then he can be charged individually and personally with that fraud. But that's the big question here, because even if the organization was doing this and it was doing it knowingly through some of its actors, maybe the CFO, maybe the CEO, maybe others, that doesn't mean that it necessarily gets to Donald Trump. So they need a witness who's been meeting with him and talking to him about it. You know, he famously doesn't email, so there likely isn't that sort of paper trail. It'll depend on what documents he signed personally. They're going to have to prove that knowledge, and that is what will dictate the charges that could come down for him. And the grand jury is going to be meeting for a number of times over the next six months. What kind of information will they be privy to? I'm sorry, Jennifer, I'm going to interrupt because right now officials are giving an update on the San Jose mass shooting. Let's listen in. And their families of what happened today. This is a tragic situation that we're dealing with right now, and we're using all the resources we have right now to find out what exactly happened and what transpired. 
Our first primary focus is public safety. We want to ensure everything that happened from today is we want to ensure the biggest public safety for the surrounding area in our whole community. This morning at 6.34 in the morning, Santa Clara County Communications received 911 phone calls of a shots fired call in the area of 101 West Younger Avenue, located in the city of San Jose, which is directly adjacent right next door to the Sheriff's Office headquarters. Deputies responded and received information that there were multiple shots fired calls located from that building. During this time, this was during a shift change where deputies from the midnight shift and day shift were on at the same time, going through a transition into different shifts. Once we received that information, deputies and surrounding officers immediately responded to the location and addressed the threat in the situation. They did not wait. They immediately went into the scene and rendered first aid and rescued victims out of the building as fast as they can to figure out what was going on. I can tell you this was a, at a Valley Transportation Authority light rail yard, which is next door to Sheriff's Office headquarters. Immediately once we received information of shots fired called, we immediately activated the Santa Clara County Active Shooter Protocol, which activated multiple law enforcement agencies in the surrounding counties, as well as multiple fire department agencies to initiate and activate the rescue task force, which is part of the active shooter protocol, which we'll go into more detail. Multiple agencies showed up and assisted from local agencies within Santa Clara County, state level from the Office of Emergency Services, Governor's Office, the California Highway Patrol, and multiple federal agencies from the Federal Bureau of Investigations, FBI, ATF, and Department of Homeland Security. I'll tell you right now, with the numbers, and it's still preliminary and it's subject to change, we have eight victims that are pronounced deceased from today's incident, from gunshot wounds. We also have one suspect who is deceased as well from this morning's incident. I can confirm with you that deputies did not exchange gunfire, and right now we're gonna preliminary go with the assumption that it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound from the suspect, and deputies did not exchange gunfire. At this point, we have investigators on scene, interviewing anybody that was on scene to see what exactly happened, and we have our CSI teams as well outside, with, along with conjunction with the Federal Bureau of Investigations assisting. Right now, if you are looking for a family member, loved one involved with this incident, we ask you to contact our reunification center, which is over here at 70 West Heading. It's located at the Isaac Newton Auditorium. We have grief counselors on scene. The phone number to call is 408-209-8356. I'll repeat it one more time, 408 2098356. So this incident is going to take some time, and the reason why is because we're going to use all necessary methods to ensure the public safety for everyone. We actually had an explosives dog on scene, which detected to some type of explosives material at the crime scene itself. At that point, we activated the sheriff's office bomb squad, who is currently on scene, and render any type of suspicious packaging safe at that point. I'll tell you, it's gonna take a long time to render these areas safe. They have to go through every room and every building to ensure that everything is safe. So that's such as in bringing in um, a bomb robot in there, and it takes time. So I ask for your patience on gathering further information from here. It's gonna be some time.
Other than that, we have detectives on scene. We're doing everything we can. But I'll tell you this, with the training that we've been doing with our active shooter protocol, this could have been a lot worse of a situation. This is a very unfortunate situation. But with the training and everything that we have with this protocol, this, this could have been a lot worse than what it was, unfortunately. So that being said, I'm going to pass it on to Sheriff Lori Smith, who's going to um, give you further information from there. What are the areas that you're covering with the bomb squad? The bomb squad is pretty much activated and they're searching every crevice of the whole building to ensure that everything is safe okay. and that's where it's going to take some time the vta, transit the VTA transit center which is a light rail it's pretty much a light rail facility pretty much light rail garage what is the reason that Homeland Security you know you know we appreciate having federal agencies coming out they come out here just to provide resources for us hey do you need any assistance and you know in that case and if we need help we'll ask them out in that case so they're just being that entity to help us out How so many it depends how big this building is. I haven't been in the building myself, but it's going to take some time. So we ask you for that patience. Any indication on motive? We don't have that information right now. This is still preliminary. This is still ongoing. All the information I have is I can give out at this point, and we're still getting as we get along. So this is a big building. I can't get into the details how big this building is, but it's a pretty decent-sized building. Um, in regards with motive, I don't have that information. This is still preliminary, and I'm still trying to get that information at this point. We don't. I don't know at this point if it's inside or outside. We have. Yeah, I'm going to pass it off to Sheriff Lori Smith, and then she's going to take over from here. So what I'd first like to do is. Um, tell everyone that my heart really goes out to the victims. Um, these were county employees and um, we're doing everything we can to help them, including the Family Reunification Center. But I really want to commend the law enforcement in Santa Clara County. Several years ago, the Sheriff's Office in conjunction with the County Fire Department began a series of trainings um, for active shooter. And that training has happened throughout the county with law enforcement and all fire agencies. And why that differs is that at the time there's an active shooter, as soon as we can get one team together, we go in. The first teams through the door were the Sheriff's Office and San Jose Police Department. And they're, they're my true heroes. There was active shooting going on at that time. Um, there were um, victims shot in two separate buildings. But they responded. They responded the way that they should. They took their life in their hands, and I know for sure that when the suspect knew that law enforcement was there, he took his own life. Our, our deputies were right there at that time. So it's a very complex investigation. We now know that San Jose is working on the house fire and we're still putting that together, but uh, our detectives are on scene and we're doing everything we can to identify the victims as soon as possible so their loved ones can, can know. So um, thank you very much for covering this, and we will continue to give you updates as the investigation progresses. Um, it's still too early for us to know, um, but the, the suspect was an employee also. Thank you. So I'm going to pass it on to uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. Thank you. Let me uh, thank the sheriff, the mayor, our police chief, captain, all the men and women in uniform. You're going to learn over the course of the next number of days and weeks about the heroism of the San Jose police, save lives, deputy sheriffs. 
that ran, quite literally ran, moments after, seconds after hearing about this incident uh, without any consideration of their own lives and did an extraordinary job to save other people's lives. That said, uh, you know, there's a numbness I imagine some of us are feeling about this because there's a sameness to this. You know, any where USA. It just feels like this happens over and over and over again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It wasn't that long ago I was standing out here talking about the tragic loss of two children, one in a mother's arms, the Gilroy Festival, just here in this community, down in Southern California, and San Bernardino. Remember a few years prior in Santa Barbara. You know, pick a state. And here we are in the United States of America. We're experiencing something just is not experienced anywhere else in the world. There's a sameness to this. And that numbness, I think, is something we're all feeling. All of us gathered here today, looking at this scene, listening to governors, mayors, chiefs, speaking, similar tone and terms, expression of condolences, all the right emotions and perhaps the right words, but it begs the damn question, what the hell's going on in the United States of America? the hell's wrong with us? And when are we going to come to grips with this? When are we going to put down our arms literally and figuratively, our politics, stale rhetoric, finger pointing, all the hand-wringing consternation that produces nothing except more fury and frustration, more scenes like this repeated over and over and over again. I say that not as a governor. I just say that as a father of four. I say that as a member of this community, cares deeply about it. So we'll, we'll have time to work through all of that. But one thing I just wanted to briefly speak to is the pain in those victims. I just spent, we just had the privilege of spending the last few hours with the victims that are waiting to just learn if their loved one is still alive. They're dialing the phones, they can't find it. They're trying to go on and find a phone of the loved one. Waiting to hear from the coroner, waiting to hear from any of us, just desperate to find out if their brother, their son, their dad, their mom is still alive. Just imagine being in there. I know everybody wants all the answers to all these questions, but there's no more important question and no more important answers that we owe than the victims of this senseless and tragic shooting. And so I'm not just going to express my condolences. I'm not just going to express the usual platitudes. Uh, but let me just thank the heroism of those victims. The fact that they can even stand up and support one another is remarkable. What a human act. And so I just want to, uh, we just want folks to know we're going to be there for the victims. I want folks to know, you know, I'm here for you, Mr. Mayor, and the county, uh, this state. And, uh, and I know we have elected officials of all political stripes who want to be here for this nation. But it's time to deal with the endemic before this pandemic of gun violence, the pre-existing condition that somehow sort of pushed aside last year, but now has raised its ugly head again this year. And wake up to this reality and take a little damn responsibility, all of us, to do a little bit more and a little bit better this time and move beyond the platitudes and the usual rhetoric that tends to mark not just these moments, but the aftermath of these moments as all of you go away and this fades out of you and then we rinse and replete someplace else in this country. So again, 
to the victims, to those that lost their lives and the families lost their loved ones. Yes, our hearts go out, but we are resolved to not make this meaningless, but to bring meaning at this tragic moment in our state and our nation's history. Again, thank you to all the men and women behind me and their courageousness and the incredible, incredible bravery that was demonstrable of the men and women in our San Jose Police Department and Sheriff's Office. So next we're going to introduce Valley Transportation Authority Chair President Glenn Hendricks. As you all know, a horrible tragedy has impacted the VTA family, the organization, and our whole community. And our thoughts and love go out to all the employees who have been directly and indirectly impacted by this horrible event. I want to let you know that the families have been moved to the Family Assistance Center at the Red Cross um, to continue to have uh, meet with counselors about what's happening. We're really grateful for the outpouring of support that has come from union leadership and transit organizations from across the country. The VTA has suspended its light rail service and will probably be suspended for several days um, as we work through um, being able to get back into the yard. We'll be setting up bus bridges to go ahead and help get our customers around. We're asking that our customers be patient with us as we work through this event and try and recover our service. And I also want to thank all the law enforcement that's been involved in their quick reaction and the way they've been dealing with everyone who is involved by this. And once again, I want to say how terribly sorry I am and want to thank everybody in the VTA family who's been so affected. Next, we're going to introduce the president of the County Board of Supervisors for Santa Clara County, Mike Wasserman, and County Supervisor Cindy Chavez. It was two years ago, the mass shooting in Gilroy, and law enforcement responded quickly and minimized the number of fatalities. Last year we had COVID, still have COVID, but last year was the big year, and the people and the county responded so as to have the lowest positivity rate in the state. Today we had this mass shooting here, and it was the Santa Clara County Sheriff's Department and the San Jose Police Department that responded so quickly to minimize the loss of lives. As you can see, our flag now is at half-mast to help commemorate and remember the people that have passed today. It is an extremely sad day in the history of Santa Clara County, but I'm also very proud of the response by law enforcement and then the VTA family taking care of the loved ones, the survivors of those that passed, and the district attorney's office that has stepped forth with the services they provided two years ago to the people in Gilroy and continue to provide every day and will provide to the survivors, loved ones, and family of those that passed. It is a sad day in Santa Clara County history, but I'm very proud of the response, including the unions that have come forward with funding and help. Santa Clara County is a family, and you're seeing that go into effect today. My condolences to all the family, members, and friends of those that passed today. Thank you. 
You know, let me let me start by just reminding everybody that um, the backbone of Santa Clara County throughout COVID-19 was all the essential workers and none were more essential than making sure people could get to their places of work. Um, and VTA never stopped. It, it didn't stop light rail. It didn't stop buses. It didn't stop helping move people from point A to point B. These uh, heroes that we we all learned how to call essential workers heroes, um, we're now calling on them to be heroes again. There's a fund that's been set up for these families, and by going to workingpartnerships.org, anybody who wants to make a contribution to the families that have been impacted, the VTA families that have been impacted, can do that directly by going to workingpartnerships.usa.org. I just want to close with this point. While my heart breaks, I can't stop thinking about what we could all be doing differently to stop this in our community so this doesn't become something that just happens here, but something that should never happen. And thank all of you for being here. Thank you. You've been listening to an update from officials in San Jose, California, about today's mass shooting. The Sheriff's Department confirming what we've reported. Eight innocent individuals were shot and killed at a rail yard. Uh, The police, uh, the sheriff's deputy, rather, and the sheriff say the deputies did not exchange gunfire with the ninth person there, the gunman, they believe that he took his own life. Officials say they are still not ready to determine a motive. Right now, the bomb squad remains on the scene because of reports of explosive devices inside the building. In addition to officials from the Sheriff's Department and the Valley Transit Authority, uh, we heard, uh, gentlemen, and I want to bring back uh, the former acting police commissioner of Baltimore, Anthony Barksdale, uh, as well as uh, Dimitri Roberts, who served as a Chicago police officer, Uh, Gentlemen, you heard from Gavin Newsom, the Democratic governor of California, talking about the numbness and the sameness of another mass shooting in this country, the numbness and the sameness. And he said, quote, what the hell is going on in the United States of America? When are we going to come to grips with this? Um, And uh, Commissioner uh, Barksdale, I wondered what you made of that. I thought that his statements were spot on. He's absolutely right, Jake. We're seeing this too much over and over again. And it is a problem. Um, Well, actually, it's a crisis that we need to resolve as fast as possible. We're losing too many citizens due to gun violence. Dimitri, what do you think? Well, I think, Jake, that what we see trending in this country is the need for some humanity to be reinstilled, not just within our police and community interactions, but with how we are going about addressing these things so we don't see them happen again. But Jake, I've been on your show for years and we often find ourselves at the same impasse and there's a call to action. We have a visceral reaction to these things. But I think that this is a moment in this country where we can truly stand together and say, as the governor pointed out, these folks don't have to have lost their lives in vain. We really have an opportunity right now to bring back a level of common decency to what we're trying to do. And again, as everybody, my heart goes out to the families and, and everybody that's involved in this situation. Gentlemen, thanks so much for sticking uh, sticking around. We really appreciate it. Coming up, we're going to Talk live to the mayor of San Jose about the shooting. Stay with us. 
quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.